You are listening to the 10-Minute Entrepreneur Podcast with host Sean Castrina. Hey, I'm excited about today's podcast. I have Ryan Renteria with me here today. He is the author of Lead Without Burnout. Ryan, it's great to have you on the podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Sean. I'm excited to help your audience on their business journeys however I can. Yeah, I know, I know you do coaching for CEOs and managing partners and you know anybody through that upper food chain in business. So tell me why this book, Lead Without Burnout? Sure. Well, basically, I, I take 20 years of history studying, advising leaders from my Wall Street days, my MBA days, to help these senior leaders with optimizing their growth. But the issue is it's on a small scale. You can only cater to so many clients, obviously. So in order to scale that impact, I wanted to write this book, Lead Without Burnout, because I do believe that entrepreneurs, CEOs, leaders can have better work-life balance and be able to deliver on their, their business goals and dreams. So what is balance to you? Because I can argue two sides of this coin. So, <laughs> but, but I, I'm open to hearing different, different things. You know, there'll be a lot of people who say there's no such thing as balance. But what I would say is, is that balance is different for every person. I like, I, I can work 60 hours if I, and I did for many years and that was over seven days and it was creative. Like I'd get up at six in the morning and work till 10, then don't do anything from like 10 to four on a weekend. And then go in my office for about an hour and a half, tie things up. You know, I never missed a, an event. I never missed anything from that my kids had in school, period. The only thing I ever missed was a piano recital on purpose. But other than that, I was a hundred for a hundred. So, and I, and I worked a lot, built a lot of big companies and, and things of that nature. So curious to hear your definition of balance. Sure. And it's going to be different for, for everyone. And one of the things we do in the book is we have various exercises, the values and visions exercise, the wheel of life exercise to try to figure out what matters most to you. And so I think what happens is, is that we, a lot of us are perfectionists. We're trying to be 10 out of 10 in every single area of life. And so going through exercises and figuring out what are the two to four things that matter most and how do I become a nine out of 10 in those two to four areas. Now, and are these in business all... only, these two to four, or no, is this just this, life in general? Th this would be um, business and life. And so there's various categories, uh, health, family relationships, purpose and impact at work, things of that nature. And so I think you nailed it on the head. What was most important to you was to make sure that you attended your kids' events while also doing a great job at work. And so you would have identified those as two key areas to try to be a nine out of 10 in. And so it, it, it's really just a personal preference that some people might think, well, volunteering is important to me, but it's more important to me in the future and health and family is more important to me now. And so it's really about dialing in on those top two to four areas and, and becoming really good at those. Yeah. And I like the fact that, you know, we like four, because you, that's the thing you, there's, you can't, balancing 10 plates, one will drop. <laughs> I mean, there is a point at this, you know, where you watch this entertainer start spinning plates where there's one plate too many. Right. And what happens, all the plates clash. Right. And so I, I completely agree with that. So tell me, how, how do you lead without burnout? Take us kind of through the book. The more you tell us, the more they'll buy it. That's what I know. So kind of walk <laughs> us through the book and give us the value, kind of give us a, a sneak peek at stuff and some some stuff that we can walk away with. Sure. Happy to do that. So I think if somebody looks at the title, they might think, 
gosh, this book's going to be about telling me how to get better sleep and better health and nutrition and less stress and things of that nature. But we sort of already know that that is the key to leading without burnout. And so I don't spend 200 pages doing that. It's how do we actually create the time to do those things? And that's what's not as obvious. And so the book is really about how do you create the culture and alter your leadership in order to reduce the stress and the workload that hurts your relationships, that hurts your health, that keeps you from having the time to do the things that you know that you need to be doing to have that good work-life balance and to be not burning out. And it really, from a cultural perspective, it starts with trust. How do you trust and delegate to the top talent that you hire to free up your time for two things? One, mental recharging, and two, strategic thinking about what is really gonna drive your business on a five to 10 year basis. And so that's really the book sort of starts off by these types of exercises I'm talking about to figure out what matters most to you. Then it gets into the culture aspects of trust, uh, psychological safety and mental health that are very critical. And then we get into hiring because you obviously need top talent to be able to delegate to those folks and to trust them. And then we finish with productivity and decision-making. And the reason is, is that most people might think, well, geez, if I just delegate and then the people below me delegate, then all we're doing is shifting everything downstream. And so that's why a good portion of the book is also dedicated to how do you improve decision-making so you're not wasting time putting out fires? How do you improve productivity? Uh, largely centered around the 80-20 rule so that you're freeing up time for everybody across the organization, not just yourself. And so that's so really a big picture Sort of yeah. Uh, so talk to you know the eighty twenty rule. Obviously, if you spend eighty percent of your time doing about twenty percent volume wise, but it has the eighty percent result. And and so tell us how you you know how do you how can you get better? Your your you know in the, in the staffing because I, I'm going to jump in there with something on the staffing because you do you, you the only way that you can delegate with any confidence is delegating to other people that are talented in the area that you're delegating. Delegating to delegate means nothing. You can delegate and be more paranoid because you know you gave it to somebody who's a 50-50 chance of it being done. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't represent you. You're, you're like, you got to follow up five times with them. How did you say it to, you know, you like, you asked them to call a client. Well, how'd the call go? You know, what, what were they like on the phone? <laughs> you know what I mean? You're, you're, you're paranoid about how the whole thing went because you you, you know, you obviously delegated to somebody that, is not at the level that you, you really want to give that assignment to. That's exactly right. Yes. And so once you, and, and like, as I was referring to, we have this chapter on every aspect of the hiring process from the job description to the interview questions, to the reference questions, to make sure that you do land that top talent. And then what's important is to, as a senior leader, look at your to-do list and really divide it into various buckets. Which of these items can I trust this person just to completely run with and say, look, I trust you, you handle it. And which of these items do I want to have the final look, the final stamp of approval? And so you go off and you do the first 90% and I trust you to execute that. And then you bring me in for the final 10% and I'll contribute to the dialogue. And that way you feel safe that you get the final stamp of approval. And then there's the very small amount of items that you should really be coming 
that should really be the main priority that you're spending the bulk of your time on. And the 80-20 rule comes into play here because you really have to look at your business and say, what are the three things that are going to drive EBITDA, returns on capital, cash flow on the next five to 10 years, over the next five to 10 years? And how do I really zone in and make those the priorities for my team and myself and then divide the tasks in this way? Yeah. I, and I think I, this pat, this year coming up, I made the decision to hire someone who is the closest to being me as I could find, <laughs> which is hard. I mean, the, the reality is this. Hey, listen, there's no doubt. You go in certain organizations, talent doesn't grow on trees. Right. Look at the NFL. Just look at quarterbacks right now at this point in the year. There's a correlation. You know what I mean? I mean, they can't find 32 winners, you know, anywhere in the world. <laughs> And, and you think you're going to find high level, C, you know, CEOs, people that can run companies and, and, and small businesses are fragile. They are. I mean, I don't care when people tell me, oh, I, I had a, a recently somebody tell me, oh, it's, it's just plug and play now. I go plug and play my you know what? <laughs> I go, it's plug and play only because you're there. You're plugging and you're playing. You're mm -hmm. overseeing the roster. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. you're you're managing the game plan. I go, but you know, small businesses just are very fragile because there's only so many people in the organization. And with that many people, you know, you don't have that much depth, to, you know, typically. And that's where the owner gets really gets strapped because he, he hasn't, they don't know how to hire somebody at their level. They either don't, not willing to pay the money, not willing to go through the due diligence and the time it takes to hire somebody at that level, or they can't paint a vision in an interview to ever land anybody at that level. Well, and that's, I think, what's unique about the book, besides the focus on mental health. If, if the leaders read this book and actually execute the steps, not only are you going to improve your own work-life balance and your own burnout, but you're going to improve it for everyone in the team. And that's going to create this positive snowball momentum effect where you are going to have created this culture that's a lot more attractive to be able to hire top talent on the outside and then it's then the snowball just works for you what's the biggest culture mistake that you think people make that creates these toxic situations and this burnout that these you know these top leaders are you know face yeah i think probably the micromanaging and so it's, it's very difficult and i think harvard did a study that showed that two-thirds of executives struggle to let go of prior work and you really need to let go of that prior work in order to scale and so the problem is when you're micromanaging and you're deep in the weeds of the person that you have supposedly passed this off to, you're not really catering to their intrinsic motivation. All the studies that show that people think that compensation is the number one driver of job happiness, but it's really autonomy, ownership, responsibility to spearhead challenging work. And you can't facilitate that or foster that in your culture. If you're micromanaging, you're deep in the weeds, you're checking in on every detail. And so to me, that's what causes the mistake because the employee says, well, this guy doesn't trust me. And, he, and, and they go home and the boss is writing me all day. And I just don't feel like I have that autonomy to really create and execute on my gifts. Yeah. And you're so right about the idea. If you think money is the reason why somebody's there, money will keep them up to an additional 12 months if you're lucky but it'll never keep them there indefinitely. It'll never keep right. them there where they're going to make the impact that you, they're going to leave. It's just, they're just smart enough to know when to leave. I mean, that's the only right. difference. Low level talent gets pissed off. They just leave. They don't <laughs> care if they have another job. They don't care about anything. <laughs> you know, your upper level, because they're typically making decent money, have a family. They're smart enough to go, I don't think I'm going to quit today. 
but they go home and they, you know, listen, I'm just going to let you know, I'm looking, you know, they quietly start searching and they orchestrate their exit. Right. Right. Yeah. Not money will never keep them money. And I think, and I find that to be, I heard this person who I was talking to and they were talking about the plug and plug and play. That was what they said. Oh, this person's making way too much money. And I had <laughs> said to them, this is funny. And I know this person listens to this podcast. I said, I promise you the next shoe to drop is that person you're talking about. It's going to, it's going to not going to stay with you. No way. I mean, it was like, no, I still have the text in my phone. It's too funny. No way. And sure enough, Within one week, that wow. person put their notice in. And he said, wow. you know, how, how do you know? And I go, because there's a law in business. When something's going wrong, what is the next thing that can go wrong? And just prepare for it. And I'm the biggest optimist in the world. Mm-hmm. And I go, and, and the big thing, and the only reason why I say that, because the reason why he said that person was going to stay is because of money. He said they make too much money to leave. If he would have said to me, this person loves it, you know, a- every other thing. But when it was just money, that's when I knew. Well, by the way, even if that person doesn't leave, you've created a horrible situation where they're likely to, quote unquote, quiet quit or just not really be executing on their job to the best of their ability. They're not out in the community spreading good words about your organization that leads to good referrals and more talent acquisition. And so there's even if they did stay that you're not creating the environment you're creating more problems yeah and i've had and i've had employees like that over the years and they've held i've been held hostage before mm-hmm. where they knew they had me like i mm-hmm. you know because I, I was like hadn't put my due diligence and there was too much of a gap between where they were and the person underneath of them and this right. is just good advice never let there be that big of a gap between your highest level talent and your next tier you've got to you you know, it's just like sports. There's got to be a player that can come in and at least manage the position mm-hmm. so that the other players can, you know, can participate and have a chance of winning. If there's this massive drop-off, you're, you know, you're, you're in trouble. Well, it's, that's interesting. One of the things we talk about in the book is having as deep of a bench as your investment and your payroll will allow, because you never know when somebody is going to want to take a different position outside the organization, inside the organization, maybe you make an acquisition and that person's going to be valuable going into that business and establishing the culture. And so it, it, it always pays to have as deep bench talent of a players as humanly possible. I have Ryan Renteria with me here today. He's the author of lead without burnout, burnout, Ryan, kind of close us up with two to three really good pieces of advice on how they can lead without burnout. Sure. Number one, First, perhaps the most important is make sure you execute tremendous due diligence in your hiring process so that you build a team of top talent. There is nothing more important than that. Don't skimp on reference checks. Don't skimp on interview questions. Don't fear that they have the fear of missing out that somebody else is going to snatch that person up. If you don't hurry up and make an offer quickly, do your due diligence to have the right people. Number two, Create that culture of high trust, high candor and psychological safety, a high priority on the mental health of everyone in the organization. And that's going to allow you to attract that talent. That's going to allow you to reduce your burnout and everyone else's burnout throughout the organization. And number three, take that increased time 
that this culture that you've created is allowing you to that that you've created to both figure out what matters most to you and spend your time on those things whether outside of the office family health sleep nutrition whatever it is and then spending time in the office doing deep strategic thinking about competitors customers technological shifts potential markets geographies and MA, the things that are going to really move the needle on your business on the next five to ten years and if an employee walks by and you're sitting there staring off into space or reading a book that that is very important don't feel bad this is actually one of the single most important things that you could be doing to set yourself up for business success no i love that i've I typically tell, you know, business owners, you need to focus on what, what makes, what's, what creates profit. And number two is what'll put you out of business. <laughs> if you, you know, if you want to spend time thinking about two things, how, how can we create more revenue, more profit? Number two is what, what could put us out of business? War games. Mm -hmm. What, what scenario would, would really be detrimental to the future of the company and thus what do we need to do to solidify us as a, you know, as a great company that can survive? Yeah. And, and one of the best ways to do that is to do a pre-mortem where you actually envision yourself failing in the future and you figure out what are the most likely reasons why we failed and what can we do right now in advance and as the evidence is playing out to minimize the odds that that failure scenario plays out. Yeah. I mean, great companies hire people to do this. They they bring in people to say where if you if you were if you were set on putting us out of business or being our biggest threat what would be how would you do it mm -hmm. where where are we weak they spend millions and millions of dollars to do this so uh, you know as a business owner it'd be wise to do it again Ryan I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast how can my audience connect with you thanks again for having me you can go to thestretch5.com for information about me executive coaching the book and as of january 23rd the book will be available on amazon or or any other online seller it's lead without burnout and all profits from the book go to mental health charities like mindshare partners which focuses on mental health in the workplace specifically great well we're going to have the book out as as it's that week it'll be out that week so you don't have to worry about that so anybody listening you should be able to go on amazon right now and buy the book I want to thank you so much for listening. The podcast is brought to you by Gig Strategic, the best digital marketing company for small businesses. They're incredible. You'll actually work with somebody who, who's not just going to send you an email like once a month telling you like some little report that you don't understand. They're incredible. I know that because they work with my company. So that's gigstrategic.com. Again, thank you for listening. We will talk soon.